I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Welcome to today's podcast. I am delighted to welcome Benji Thomas, who is the Managing Partner, Advisory Services for KPMG Canada. Benji, welcome to the show. Nick, thank you for having me. Really, really excited to uh, to be here today and engage in a dialogue with you as to what we've been doing here uh, in Canada, which uh, which you know, frankly, has has gotten lots of uh, chatter on the on the street, uh, you know, across the world. And so we're excited uh, we're excited for that because it shows us we're going in the right direction. Oh, I think that's right. I mean, I, I loved it when I you know, read about what you guys had done in, in terms of in the Web3 space. You know, you've been, you bought some cryptocurrency to hold on the balance sheet. You bought an NFT. It's just remarkable because obviously KPMG, you know, big global, uh, professional services firm. And, and yet, you know, you're showing the leadership of getting involved in Web3. Can you just give me a sense, you know, why KPMG Canada? Why, why do you have such a focus on Web3? You know, uh, first of all, I tell you as a, as a Canadian firm in our advisory practice, I would tell you we're, we're quite forward thinking and, you know, innovation is quite an, quite an important agenda for us in terms of how the future is evolving. And you can appreciate even as we've gone through this pandemic, how quickly innovation has moved to the forefront and really helped the, the world adjust to this changing environment. And so well, when you think about uh, web, web three, you know, we are genuinely witnessing a period of rapid growth, uh, particularly for the crypto ecosystem, decentralized finance. And now, you know, frankly, the common conversation is around the metaverse and the wider Web3 movement. And we recognize that this change, you know, will really impact how organizations operate, including KPMG. And so Web3, the next inter- the next iteration, what I would call is the next iteration of the Internet, right? And it's really going to affect how people interact with certain brands, socialize with uh, communities and trade digital assets. It's, it's just fantastic because it's um, I think it does show if an organization uh, of, of the caliber of KPMG can get its head around things like crypto and NFTs, it does show that, okay, this has come out of of the shadows and I think you know maybe you know you mentioned crypto and so you know KPMG Canada bought some Bitcoin and some ether to hold on your balance sheet as part of a I guess corporate treasury diversification and so forth and 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 traditionally I think crypto you know if we had have had this conversation two years ago I think you know People would have been like, well, crypto, isn't that just sort of used by ransomware providers or something? And, and yet now we've got an organization like KPMG getting involved. Can you give us a sense of sort of why, uh, why you did that? What's, what's the rationale behind the, uh, the Bitcoin and the Ether purchase? Yeah, Nick, like when, when you, when you think of it, here, here's a couple things. First of all, we're not the only, um, organization of global size that that has, you know, decided to yep. take a position uh, in this asset class. And, you know, crypto assets in general is a maturing uh, asset class. And so, you know, investors such as hedge funds, 
head funds, family offices, and large insurers and pension funds are increasingly gaining exposure to these crypto assets. Frankly, you know, when you think about uh, brokers and wealth advisors, you know, when they talk to their clients today, you know, I would tell you that more often than not, they're talking about the idea of saying, you know, it's worthwhile to allocate a portion of yep. your investment allocation yeah. to uh, crypto assets. Yeah. And so yeah. that's the conversation that's happening today. And so when you think about an organization like ours, if the general population is talking about crypto assets and actually trading in the asset class, you know, we are advisors to our clients and we advise them based on trends that are evolving. And this is an evolving trend or a maturing trend. And so for us, we felt it really important to take a position in both, you know, Bitcoin and Ether, one to help educate ourselves on the overall transaction process around you know, acquiring an asset class like this, but also, you know, think about the governance that's involved associated with acquiring an asset class like that within a corporate organization that governance plays an important role in. And so we now are in a position to talk to clients as subject matter experts around their own journey in, you know, making transactions in which they would carry this asset class uh, in their own balance sheet. And so I think we, we've we really positioned ourselves uh, in that particular crypto asset category. But, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little further. There's other parts as well, like NFTs and frankly, the metaverse where, you know, we're we're also making headways. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and I think that's right. I mean, it just Fidelity just uh, a week or so ago announced that they were going to allow um, holders of 401ks to in the in the US access to some form of crypto assets within their pension fund. So, yeah, I mean, we it, it feels like the discussion has truly moved into the mainstream. So uh, I applaud you for that. And I think I think crypto is one of those things too where. You, you can't wing it with this. If you're an advisor, you, you can't learn this stuff overnight. It's, it's not, you know, some, you know, maybe, maybe in, in the past you could do things, you know, you could sort of have a bit of a go at it, but the concepts are so novel, I think, that it's very difficult to actually be an advisor on it unless you are immersed in it. And so, so I think, you know, it makes sense that, uh, you know, you've actually, uh, gone and, and bought some yourself. I guess, Given given that you've gone through it, you talk about the governance and so forth. Could you give the listeners just some ideas about some of the key issues that they should be thinking about um, before buying uh, crypto to hold on the balance sheet? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. You know what's interesting is we didn't just decide overnight that we. Were <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine an organization like ourselves, and oh. so. You know, the first thing I would say is do your due diligence and due diligence doesn't happen overnight. And so we really invested a lot of time in doing our due diligence. And then at KPMG, frankly, we established a governance committee to provide oversight and approve the treasury allocation. The committee included stakeholders from finance, risk management, advisory, audit and tax. 
And we also completed a rigorous risk assessment process that included a review of regulatory, reputational, and custodial risks. And so our specialists also assess the tax and accounting implications of the transactions, which you have to think about as well. And so having gone through all these, all these steps, we're well positioned to guide clients through that exact same process and help them participate in this ecosystem. And so we've seen and experiences the challenges associated with this asset category. And so we're really investing in the space. And, and you can imagine, you know, as I went through the experience, you learn all sorts of different things, yeah. you know, think about, you know, am I going to carry the asset on a hot wallet or right. a cold? Yeah. And if it's a cold wallet, how are we going to store the cold wallet? Yeah. And really, what are the governance procedures we're putting in place as an organization? And so there are some unique complexities associated with this asset class. Uh, that really you do need to be educated on it and you can't just read a book to be educated. For us, we felt it was important to have that practical, um, experiential component uh, of it as well, which has allowed us to frankly, you know, get lots of inbound um, reach outs from a number of organizations who are exploring, you know, exactly what we ultimately went through. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised because you know we're certainly seeing it with organizations saying, okay, well, you know, it's digital assets is becoming a legitimate asset class. We need to think about, you know, what it looks like on the balance sheet. So makes sense. And I I completely understand the custody issue because it's um you know that that's one of the great sort of issues with the transaction friction that comes with with crypto. So uh, so you've experienced that firsthand. So uh, so it's great. Great to be able to advise clients on it. Maybe then just shifting gears. So the NFT world, the non-fungible token. So KPMG Canada bought an NFT. So uh, woman number 2681, actually, to be precise. And so that was in February. And you paid, I think, approximately $50,000 for it. So um, can you tell us a little bit about um, sort of woman 2681 and uh, and I guess why why buy an NFT? So, you know, let, let's, um, let's, um, maybe for a moment step back and, and also think about the bigger picture around the fact that, okay, so we have talked to our, talked to our clients about their ability to ultimately carry this asset class in their, in their treasury. And we've gone through that experience. And so now that you have it in your treasury, what do you do with it? You want to be able to transact with it. Yep. And so the next stage or evolution in that, that process line is about being able to transact, uh, sorry, being able to transact in that, uh, in that process. And so for us, we felt that the, the next way to be able to effectively show our ability to transact was to invest in an NFT. And again, s- similar to, to what we talked about in terms of, you know, moving into this asset class, you got to do your due diligence. And so, there were numerous uh, use cases for NFTs, and we are already seeing organizations from retailers and yeah. sports leagues to auction houses, celebrities, and not-for-profits using NFTs to market their brand, recruit talent, create value, raise awareness for causes, and connect with customers. And so by purchasing the NFT, we obtain the rights to use the images in various talented 
attraction and marketing campaigns, including recruitment drives to attract more women to KPMG. We also wanted to raise the profile of women leaders, which enhances our ability to attract and retain top talent, which is one reason we purchased our NFT from the world of women uh, yeah. collecting. And so, you know what, it's interesting too, you know, we are seeing even our colleagues in Australia leveraging that NFT in the metaverse. Oh, uh, really? So you can walk into <laughs> the metaverse in their kind of arena and you will see our uh, NFT as frankly a piece of art. And <laughs> you know, people know that it's attributed to KPMG. And so we're quite excited about, you know, one, the credibility that we are, um, the market is building and demonstrating. And for us, we felt that developing an NFT strategy from inception to execution is, is the, the next stage in the process. But then also, if I can, uh, if I can help a client ultimately transact with their crypto assets and then ultimately acquire an NFT, you know, you can imagine the next, the, the, the third pillar, which is the idea of helping clients actually create their own NFT yeah. Yeah. and then how you distribute that NFT. And so naturally you can, you can appreciate there's that there, there is actually a thoughtful process on a storyline in terms of the approach we're taking. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's brilliant. The, the idea of once you've got the crypto, you know, what do you do with it? And obviously with NFTs, it's the first real sort of digital asset class that we've seen. And I think, um, you know, what, what it appears to me with NFTs, particularly it feels like that's opened the door. It's a, it's a real use case for blockchain for a lot of corporates that were otherwise, you know, blockchain was always you know, a solution in search of a problem. And now you've got, particularly with, you know, big corporates using NFTs as an extension of a loyalty program, particularly for the, for the Gen Z and so forth. So no, it makes, it makes sense. And I'm, you know, I do yeah. feel there's more to it. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you, Nick. I think when, when you think of this, you know, and, and there, there's obviously, you know, always perspective on both sides of the fence. And so people look at NFTs and they're, you know, they might call it clip art and nothing more than clip mm -hmm. art. But what I, what I actually fundamentally believe it does is it helps, you know, chart the path for people to understand the commercialization ability uh, through a blockchain through other avenues that more take place in our day to day. And so this is just helping, you know, show the viability of it in through, through NFTs and it'll naturally transition into other parts of our day to day, uh, our day to day lives, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the tokenization of many businesses is, uh, you know, something in the future, but let's, so with the NFT, um, I guess, are there, could you give the listeners some sense of what your learnings were? If they're thinking about, you know, if they're in an organization that's thinking about buying or indeed even minting, I guess, an NFT, what are some of the sort of issues that they should think about? Yeah, absolutely. And as an organization, I think you got to tie it to, tie it to what's aligned within your own organization. And so in all the conversations that, uh, or in all of our dialogue that we had, you know, this was not about trying to generate a 
financial return by holding the asset and it becoming more valuable later on. You know, that if that happens, that's great. That's that's a secondary um, and nominal kind of perspective. Uh, The perspective is really about what's the value uh, for your organization and how do you how do you leverage it? And so, you know, you have to do a tremendous amount of due diligence right. uh, and you got to conduct a rigorous risk assessment. And there's a number of considerations that you would think about around this. And so do you know who the artists or founders are, you know, mm-hmm. or are they anonymous? Have they previously released a successful project before or not? You know, do you own the IP rights to the NFT? Right. Right. Oh, um, how engaged is the community around the project and are they active in things like Twitter chats and, and other um, social media mediums? You know, is there demand for the project? What blockchain is the project going to mint on? Right. What is the mint price? You know, what is the roadmap for the project? What's next? Right. Are there utilities associated with the project? You know, how do you select who you can mint? And so, you know, how will you, you know, take custody and maintain custody of the NFT, which are all things that we uh, went through in the process of assessing and determining ultimately, you know, world of women and number two, six, eight, one as our, as our ultimate asset. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, um, uh, that is incredibly insightful because I think the, what what I think people don't necessarily those who who aren't super familiar with the NFT world is they don't realize really the importance of of what you said there around community um, because unlike anything else that I've that I've seen the, this concept of the NFTs that are successful are those that have a community around them that has been built up on social media and that's why it's become so such a honeypot for the big consumer brands because they see that this is a way of driving a community and they, you know, big brands struggle to create and to communicate with a community. And yet NFTs uh, give you that. And, and, you know, the successful ones do a great job with community. So no, well done there. And I guess, um, does it, does the sort of final point on, on this topic, which is, you know, you, you've led by example and, you know, it can't have been easy getting getting this concept, you know, past the governance regime and so forth that you have. But can you just talk about the philosophy around the idea of, you know, you did it in order to learn about it so you could advise on it. How critical do you think it is in Web3 for organisations to actually be embracing it in some way on their own account before actually promoting themselves as advisors in the space. I think, you know, if you look at it from the category of being an advisor, you know, I think it's really important that you have uh, a experiential background. Uh, it's easy to have, you know, educational background, but I find experiential background is what really separates you from others. And so um, you, you have to kind of get your fingers into this and actually really go through the process to truly understand it because it's new and different and it's unlike anything that we have experienced before. Uh, I think, you know, the reality is the new iter- iteration of the Internet is already underway. 
And, uh, and, and frankly, you know, you think about everybody talking about the metaverse, uh, today and how the metaverse will, uh, play itself out in the future. Again, you know, there's a lot of conversation of a trend and trends take time to materialize. You know, just when you think about the early days of the internet, and lots of people talked about it. People talked about domain names, the importance of domain names, but really that didn't evolve itself until much later down the road, you know, and the ones who really ultimately were able to capitalize the opportunity were the ones who got themselves educated and uh, learned through the process. The system has matured and the it has evolved. And so this is just the next iteration. And the question is, how can companies leverage and play in this space and benefit their brand and important, more importantly, engage with their customers to create longevity, sustainability and growth. And so, you know, the only way that they can do that is by willing to experiment and learn and better understand, you know, Web3 and what it might actually mean for them, their products, their services, their offerings and their people. And that's exactly what we're doing. And so, as a firm, we need to be multifaceted in our capabilities and what we offer to our clients. And this is just an another added skill set that we bring to the table, which is beyond education. But as I said, tied to experiences. And, you know, we, this is what we do. We always offer new and different services as the market yep. uh, changes and evolves. Sometimes we're a little bit early. And uh, sometimes we need to be a fast follower. But for us, in this particular instance, we're we're early. I, I get, I, I get a, a, a definite sense of your passion and enthusiasm uh, for the space. And it, and it makes uh, perfect sense. And, and I suspect this isn't the last we're going to see of KPMG Canada and Web3. And I'm getting a sense there could be Benji coin coming oh, up. Hey, uh, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got a nice ring to it. Oh, it's perfect. That would be a great project. Speak to the partners. They'll love it. They'd love it. But you know what? (laughs) Unfortunately, Nick, I think Elon's probably going to beat me to that. Okay. You could be right. Okay. Maybe it's probably going to be a Musk coin. We'll call it a Musk coin. (laughs) Maybe just to finish off on, um, on a, on a a sort of a, a topic that, that I know consumes people a lot where, you know, we see, we see crypto bounce around a lot in terms of valuations. There's, there's enormous volatility in the space. You know, I, I, I always think, you know, it's we need to think of it as a slightly rambunctious teenager because it's, you know, Bitcoin's 13 years old. So, um, you know, we can't expect it to be behaving in a mature fashion, but equally, you know, the stock markets bounce around. You know, what are, you, what are your thoughts around around the volatility and how do we, you know, if we're talking to clients and so forth, you know, what, what would you say about that? You know, it's interesting that anything that it is that's in its early days is, you know, you don't have clear history to be able to measure and predict where it's ultimately going to go. I think uh, it's a unique time for uh, cryptocurrencies today because they're also being impacted by what's happening in our global markets as a whole. And let's be honest with ourselves. We, we are just coming out, you know, of a worldwide uh, pandemic. Yeah. And that is an experience that we have never gone through in the modern day and age with what we have available to us. And so, you know, I think 
for all of us, there's, there's unpredictability ahead across all asset classes. And so public markets, technical stocks, you know, uh, bonds, real estate and, you know, cryptocurrency. And so I think we have to be careful in terms of how we assess, you know, the, the, probably some of the negative impacts on the value of cryptocurrencies today as, you know, a question of its, the strength of the asset class versus really, you know, the economic climate and the impacts of that economic climate because all asset classes are being negatively impacted. And so uh, I think the, the reality is, you know, we are what we look, what looks like a bearish market. But, you know, I think what people understand is that it's normal. And, you know, these times might present an opportunity uh, similar to how people look at public markets. And you just have to appreciate that, you know, the markets have always gone up and down over time. And so, but I think if you think about where, you know, these cryptocurrencies started to where they are today, you know, I can tell you they've certainly grown over those 13 years. That's for sure. And yeah. so you're, you're taking very short snippets of time versus taking a long-term effect. And I think if you take a long-term effect, like you look at the stock market, you know, it has generally go, grown on average year after year. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. And I think, you know, the way that I sort of look at it is, you know, if we look at a top five year time horizon from here, do we think in five years time that cryptocurrency and digital assets are going to be a thing? You know, I, Surely they must be a thing. You know, there's already a lot of value in them. And so, you know, the, the pathway is not going to be linear. Um, there's going to be issues along the way. But, you know, in five years' time, I think, uh, you know, there'll be great opportunities for us. And and particularly for those organisations like yours uh, who've chosen to take a leadership role, I'm sure the, uh, you know, the spoils will be great. So, Benji, thank you very much for sharing uh, the story of KPMG Canada's uh, Web3 forays uh, with us. Uh, I congratulate you and your partners on on what I think is a, is a brilliant step. And uh, it's clearly generated you know, an enormous amount of interest, both at the press level, but at the customer level. And, uh, and so for that, well done. And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you again, Nick, for uh, having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, looking forward to talking to you again. And, and maybe next time you and I will be talking in the metaverse. <laughs> now you're talking the Benji verse. <laughs> That's right, the Benji verse. Exactly. <laughs> you know, okay. real estate's not cheap, there, Nick. It's not cheap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Benji. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for listening to Web Three from Mystery to Main Street. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day, and remember, every organization needs a Web Three strategy.